You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 AM and 930 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you conversation about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Good morning. I'm Jim Dish with the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office, joining you on Relevant Radio 950 and 930 AM. Every Saturday morning, we bring you highlights of our Catholic Chicago radio programs that air throughout the week. Our broadcast week began with Holy Name Cathedral Rector Father Greg Sackowitz doing Catholic Chicago's annual Year in Review program. Among his guests, Dawn Fitzpatrick, Senior Coordinator in the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. So what has happened this past year and what do you look forward to in 2020? Um, okay, well, you know, the past year, of course, we had our incredible um, Echo retreat in the summer, and we had now, about what was the Echo retreat again? That's theology of the body for youth and young adults, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's just it's an immersion experience where they come and um, learn so much about theology of the body, and we really live it out, you know, as a community while they're there. The, the, it starts on a Friday with young adults, and then they get some some leadership formation, and then the teens come on Monday, and most of the young adults stay with us to help us with the teens. Um, we have Mass Every Day Adoration. It's, it's, it's great Catholic stuff, and they learn so much about vocation, and we've had a couple of uh, Several young men actually go to seminary after it, you know, just because they wanted to check that out, which is mm-hmm. really awesome. That's and tremendous. then, you know, we end up with young adults who want to work with us um, with our Theology of the Body programs going, you know, at, right after the ECHO. So How many made a, that uh, ECHO retreat last summer? It was about 110. And who, well, who so, actually was the facilitator? So we partner as the... Um, Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. We partner with Dumox Ministries from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of us that actually do the talks. So Ray Pingoy and I, both from the Arch, are are presenters, as well as Brian Butler, who, if people are enthusiasts for Theology of the Body, they'll know who he is, and his group um, do talks. And uh, and then they have missionaries that he brings on just for the summer for you know their own formation. And they are there with us and, you know, help with the retreat. And we have mm-hmm. music, and it's just it's just the most incredible event. So we did that last summer. We're doing that again next summer. So if mm-hmm. people are listening... Do you, know, you know, do have the uh, dates for this summer coming up? It'll be the 19th to the 25th of June okay. at St. Xavier University again. And it's uh, geared towards older teens, so if they are sophomores this year... Um, through graduating seniors and then okay. young adults, which is at least a year out of high school, and you know there's some adults that come that are, mm-hmm. you know, if they would like age. to register early, <laughs> do you have a phone number or web they can go to? Mm-hmm. Well, they'll the registration will open February first. Okay, at, so it opens up in about a month from mm-hmm. now. All right, and we sh- and we should have some advertising on our radio program for that too. Okay, up, excellent. So. And now moving forward, you have a big event happening this weekend at William Cathedral, launching Migration Week. We do. So the, the Migration migration Week Mass um, is it's at 515 at Holy Name Cathedral. This Sunday. On, on the Sunday, yes, absolutely. Which is January 5th at the 515 p.m. Mass. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, I think, is Father Mark Smolka the presider? Um, I, I think he is. Okay, I'm not, I'm not positive about I'm that. I'm almost but, positive, but I'm going to celebrate that liturgy on yeah. Sunday. 
And it's the thing about the masses. It's incredible because there's so many cultures represented. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, people from all the countries all over the world, and um, and they all dress in traditional dress, and they just have such a wonderful um, mass. It's greatly diversified. So I know we had this know, last year at the cathedral, and the place was mm-hmm. very crowded. And, but just to see the the diversity, the garb, mm-hmm. the dress, the cultures, the nationalities, uh, it, it's really talk about all of God's people. Right. It's a, it's a tremendous witness and um, event. Now, this actually launches Migration Week in the Archdiocese and beyond. And so it, does. Where it begins with Chicago, with the Archdiocese Cathedral on Sunday, 5.15 p.m. Mass, which, by the way, all are welcome. What, yes. Any specific events happening Monday through Friday? Well, they can. Every, anyone who was interested in seeing what's going on in the parishes can go to um, to the Archdiocese webpage and, and navigate to immigration mm-hmm. through the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. And there's events listed, and there's also a parish toolkit if they're if they realize that maybe they'd like their parish to do something. Um, and th- and this is a national event, so it's something that the USCCB has. Um, asked everyone to recognize during that week in January. And so this has been going on for many years. I think it's very important because we have to have a conscious raising. You know, when it comes to the whole area of migration, Dawn, the, uh, not migration, but immigration, the, mm-hmm. the whole system is broken. I don't have an answer, but something needs to be done. Now, we just kind of switch gears because we only have a, about seven minutes left in the segment. Mm-hmm. Let's move to another incredibly important area, March for Life and what's happening there. We started uh, managing the March for Life Chicago about six years ago in the Archdiocese, and actually it it started uh, in 2014. Cardinal George said, you know, he he was approached by a lady named Margie Hermano, who's on the board of directors now for the March for Life Chicago, and and they decided that we really needed to to make a stand in Chicago with the way the laws were going and um, and the fact that it's such a popular thing happening in Washington, D.C., but we really need to raise awareness across something, the country. Something, also do something locally. Yes, and and so it started very small uh, before that. There had been a group of people that would travel from Mass at Holy Name Cathedral to the Water Tower, about 150 people. They did that for years, but, but really we needed to do something bigger. We needed to grow that and grow the awareness. So, um, so they started it at you know having a gathering at Federal Plaza and they went to um to the Thompson Center and mm-hmm. did a walk and that first year they had a thousand people which was wow. really a great a great showing and then it's only grown ever, so much every year and we actually 3 years ago we we took the March for Life Chicago which was um simply a coalition of pro-life organizations including the archdiocese, and we took it, made it a 501c3. So it's mm-hmm. now its own company. We have a board of directors. I'm the president of the board of directors, okay. incidentally. Well, congratulations. Well, it's a <laughs> lot of work. It's a lot of work. Well, but I'm I've, sure it, it is. This is. I think this is my third year doing that, and um, it's been just phenomenal. Last year we had between eight and 9,000 people attending. Now, when does the gathering see. happen this year, January what? January 11th at 1 o'clock, and it will be at Daly Plaza, which is a big change. We we expect this to really just grow exponentially. It's so now again, March Saturday, of, March, Saturday, January, January 11th, 1 p.m. Yep, at, at the Daly Plaza. Okay. And, and this is the March of the Midwest now. We have oh, wow. people coming. We have people coming from 
um, Wisconsin, from Indiana, from Michigan, from Iowa, from uh, even the St. Louis area. So, you know, it's it's And really we're talking gross. January and January weather, but you're drawing close to 10,000 people. Yeah. It could be a blizzard. Well, I'll take a break. If it's a blizzard, the crowd will be smaller. But uh, it's weather like <laughs> we've had the last week in the 40s or 50s or even like today would then hopefully be, be a huge crowd. Now, again, if they want to learn more about it to uh, get information, where do they go? MarchForLifeChicago.org. Mm-hmm. And this year, it's going to be huge because we now have a convention accompanying it at the Congress Hotel. And um, Now, when's the convention? Can, the convention, the doors open at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. On, on the January 11th, Saturday. And, um, and we will have a youth rally there that the Archdiocese is putting on for for teens and families, uh, that the doors open at eight. The, the actual youth rally starts at nine. We have Greg and Lizzie who are um, praise and worship leaders. It's going to be great fun, and there's also just over thirty exhibitors that will be mm-hmm. there for the convention. Now, the and Congress Hotel put, is located again on. Um, it's on Michigan it's Avenue. On Michigan Avenue, okay, yeah. a little bit so it's, south it's of Cathedral. About, it's about a mile from Daly Plaza. Mm-hmm. So the idea is you come to the convention, come to the youth rally. You can walk up to uh, Daly Plaza for the march and then come right back because we have mass at 4 p.m. with mans at the Congress Hotel. And then there's a banquet that evening and swing dancing. So it, it can be a very full day. So the mass will then be at that Saturday, January 11, 4 p.m. at the Congress Hotel. At the Congress Hotel, with Bishop yes. John Manns. Yes, so it's, it's just going to be incredible. Now, Cardinal Supich will be speaking at the at the march itself at 1 p.m., mm-hmm. along with a number of other people. And um, we, I know that Bob Gilligan had uh, Claire Caldwell on his program already, and we have her on the program on January 1st also on, at, at this time on Wednesday, January 1st. So if anybody would like to hear a little bit about her story, she's our keynote speaker, and this is a, a young woman who survived an abortion. She, her mother was 13 or 14 and had was pregnant with twins and didn't know it, mm. was forced, forced to have an abortion. She The twin was, um, was killed in the abortion, of course, and a couple weeks later, this young girl realized she was still pregnant, and so... Uh, Claire was, survived that and um, was adopted by now a that, family. Dawn, that's an so. incredible story. A woman goes to have an abortion, mm-hmm. has the abortion, but comes to realize, didn't know it, she was carrying twins, and yes. then has the other child. She has the other child. and um, I've, I've, never heard of a sto- I've never heard of a story like that. Right, and so people, you know, there's there's people that say that uh, babies don't survive abortion, but they certainly mm. can. It can happen. So it's so important that we recognize, you know, these laws that are saying you don't have to keep the baby alive if they survive the abortion. Um, well, and now she will be she will be a speaker. Yes, the, the survivor. She's be there. How old is she she's now? She's in her twenties, and she has a family. Um, she's she's a delightful person. She's also speaking at our banquet, so the, it'll be great to hear her at the march. But if you really want to hear more, you can come to the banquet at the convention, and she'll be at the VIP reception as well. So you can and again, to be to part to of that uh, uh, convention, the Congress just go to marchforlife.org, You said marchforlifechicago.org. Marchforlifechicago.org. Now, if someone is not big into computers and wanted to give you a phone call at the office, what, mm-hmm. what is your number, Dawn? 312-534-5355. The number once again? 312-534-5355. So you've got so much happening with the office. What else is going on this month or this spring? 
Well, we are taking a group from the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity to um, to the March for Life in D.C., where you know we'll we'll join six hundred thousand of our friends, of course, <laughs> closest and, friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and then um, and then we're going to the the uh, the Catholic uh, Social Ministry gathering, which starts Saturday after the March for Life. So it's now the March ex- for Life dawn in Washington D.C. is the weekend of. It's the weekend of Roe versus Wade, so it's actually on the twenty fourth of January. It'd be like two we're, weeks after the event happening in Chicago. Yes, um, okay. it's two weeks later, which which gives us a nice little break. Sometimes we we yes. all in the same week. I was going to remember in past years was like on the same weekend, which is impossible or just a week apart. Now, yeah. how many people are you expecting from Chicago to um, march upon Washington D.C.? Well. It, it's it's kind of hard to say. I know we have some high schools that are taking some mm-hmm. groups, um, probably a, probably a few hundred at least that will go. Chicago is usually well represented. Chicago usually is well represented because we have a lot of high schools and parishes that take their own groups, and there's busloads of kids and. Now, and I know in past years I've talked to people who've been out there in D.C. It's been going on mm-hmm. for years. There has been some incredibly horrible weather. Snowstorms, yeah. <laughs> bitter cold, rain. You just never know. You just, you never just know. don't. I, it is January in D.C., so it's not going to be mm-hmm. springtime. But again, right. some of their stories have come out of there. Has been like uh, one one bus got stuck going or coming back um, on the turnpike because of a blizzard. And, well, uh, that wasn't that wasn't our bus. It was a bus oh, from no, no. another diocese. Exactly from but, another diocese. But you're talking about you know trying to come back in such brutal weather, and this is January in Chicago coming up, and uh, they state back the weather in Chicago is supposed to be tough in January, so when people say to me, oh, I think we're going to have an easy winter, I say, folks, we're only about uh, nine days old for winter. We just started. Exactly. we got a long, long, we got to get through January and February. We have about another minute left, Dawn. What else is happening you'd like to share with our all of our listeners? Mm-hmm. So in um, March, we are bringing Christopher West and his Made for More presentation to Chicago, which is really exciting. So he he will be speaking. It's it's a incredible event. It's multimedia. He has he has Mike Mangione with him who sings, and it's about a two and a half hour event. Um, we'll be at Saint Alphonsus. What's the exact date? Um, yeah, that's March twenty fourth. We'll be at Saint Alphonsus, which mm-hmm. is a Tuesday, and then we'll be at Saint Damien down south mm-hmm. on the twenty fifth. Following that conversation with Dawn Fitzpatrick, Father Greg talked with Acting Administrator, President, and CEO of Catholic Charities, Kathleen Donahue. When you think of Catholic Charities, it's like a motherhood and apple pie. It's such a it's a such a <laughs> brandmark name and does so much for people, not only here in Chicago, but of course across the whole country. But in Chicago, the work at Catholic Charities, you know, as a rector of a cathedral. I just see one small snippet, and that is every day how the poor and the homeless are fed at evening time every day of the year, um, and volunteers from different organizations and committees who serve the poor. And I've been there to help feed and just walk around the room, and um, they're treated so well with dignity, and uh, it's just it's, it's it's something to watch. It it's hard to even put into words, and I'm sure you've been there many times yourself. Oh yeah, I'm there most. Tuesdays, mm-hmm. I make a point of, uh, you know, reaching out to the front line so I remember what why I come to work every day. And, then, and I, I think that probably keeps it in perspective. Now, how many years have you been with Catholic Charities? Forty. 
<laughs> you started back in 1979 or 80? I did. I was around uh, for the war on poverty, if you can believe it. I worked um, with an IBM Selectric. Isn't that something? So you've been with Catholic Charities for 40 years. Over on LaSalle? Uh, um, no, I started on Randolph and Displains, and I mm-hmm. typed up the first uh, St. Vincent de Paul directory. Isn't that funny? Isn't that something? Yeah. The first Vincent and Paul directory. And uh, I remember when I was at St. Mary's in Evanston, we have a very active St. Vincent and Paul Society in St. Mary's in Evanston there and the great work that they do. And that, uh, yes. and I, I find it's uh, now as the acting administrator, of course, you're wearing many, many hats overseeing the whole operation. And, and I just know it has to be overwhelming with so many facets, taking care of the poor, providing shelter, uh, jobs. It it just it's it's really endless, isn't it, Kathleen? It is, but that's the beauty of Catholic Charities is that we're a multi-service center, and so everything we do is a welcome center. And then we have a lot more to offer. So if someone comes for a supper, of course, food is where we welcome people. Mm-hmm. But behind that, we're helping people find housing, making sure they have a fresh shower making sure they have clothing so that they can go on a job interview. So it looks like food, but it's not just food. Yeah, in fact, right to the normal eye, oh, you feed the poor. That's right. just one area you take care of. But it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. When I receive your whole booklet from Catholic Charities, it's like a tome. It is so thick, all the areas that you encompass in what you're doing. It's, it's, just, it's really endless. Well, Catholic Charity is very organic. You, you know, as one thing leads to another. So, mm-hmm. let's, you know, we might learn that someone has an opioid addiction. Well, we better get going on that. And so our addiction counseling program now is at the supper. You know, that's the way you have to weave it together. And I know you have to raise millions of dollars just to keep the doors open. And it's, right. it's a battle because I know you've lost money from the state that you used to get, uh, which right. is a whole separate program. And it, uh, But just to, to do all that you do, the money involved. But like you said before, people, I, I tell you, you've got a tremendous board of directors. You've got gener- generous people who day in and day out provide of time, talent, and treasure. And you're always getting new people that are joining on board, correct? That's correct, especially um, young people. Mm-hmm. And I think they're very attracted to a way that they can give back and have their faith in action. So our junior board is growing. It's interesting how we talk about, you know, giving back. And I remember many years ago, one guy said to me, he was actually involved with Catholic Charities. He said, I don't look at it in terms of giving back. To me, it's giving forward. Yeah. And I never had heard of that. And I said, you know, his name was Jamie. I said, Jamie, yeah. I like that. And when we always talked about well, I want to spend part of my life giving back. He said, no, I like to give forward. And I've always remembered that image. It's true. So it is a sense of giving back, but it's also giving forward. And people, their time, talent, and treasure. And I find Catholics are very, very generous, especially around Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. But really, in the Archdiocese of Chicago, and of course elsewhere, I find their, their generosity year-round. Let me ask you this question. In all that you're doing right now, What's your biggest challenge? Is it trying to 
raise money? Is it trying to keep different programs open right now? What's, you know, we all have challenges, but what's one of your biggest? So keeping programs open, that is a big challenge. And um, there's a lot that we do because we get government funding to expand what we already do. So, for instance, we, we uh, built a lot of houses for the elderly. So we have 18 buildings. And um, we couldn't do Within that the Archdiocese of Chicago? Within the Archdiocese of Chicago. So you hold time out. You have 18 buildings. Affordable for, housing. For yes. seniors. For seniors. Wow. And oftentimes when a church would close or a building would close, this was Monsignor's vision. He would maintain the Catholic presence by building affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the Catholic presence was still there in the community, only in a different way. Now, Kathleen, those 18 buildings, about how many seniors occupy all 18? Um, over 1,500. That's seniors. remarkable. That yeah. is absolutely remarkable. Over right. 1,500 are provided housing that normally right. would be not there if it wasn't for the 18 buildings. Right, That's and amazing. it's for people who are living in poverty and they're seniors, and this is a total equalizer. So they only pay 30% of their income for rent. They can buy gifts for their grandchildren. They have a, yeah. a lovely life, and our buildings are so beautiful and well-maintained. And, and they have to be how old to uh, qualify? What's a senior? 65. Okay, I guess, uh, in, I yeah, guess in, Jim, I guess we qualify Jim. Yeah, Michael May I doesn't, qualify. but uh, <laughs> Jim is smiling. I qualify too, age-wise. Your income can't be over twenty-six thousand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and <clears> believe <throat> me, most people we house, their income is under ten thousand. Under ten thousand dollars. Under ten thousand dollars for the whole year. For the whole year. That's so. Imagine that's, what kind of housing they can afford. There really isn't. They'd such be a just about almost on the street. Well, that's why and one our step line, above that, and that's that, uh, why our line for supper never gets smaller. Yeah, in fact, I, many times when I'm just uh, around the streets of Chicago by the cathedral, I'm talking to those that are poor and homeless. They always start talking about Catholic charities and the meals over there and how they're treated, and um, and they and the, the poor truly love the work that you're doing. And when I'm over there, you know, talking with them, they really watch out what's happening in Catholic Charities, because they know that you are there for them. Oh, yeah. And all the volunteers who read with treatment with just kindness and love and respect, and uh, they're part, like, part of a giant family. Yes. And you should see the people who serve uh, the showers. So people, when they come in, can reserve a time to come back. And so we have volunteers that are here. One of them is a federal judge. Hmm. And he... I see him, I saw him scrubbing the floor of the shower in between. Now, are those showers located right there at LaSalle? Right there at LaSalle, walking now, the I didn't. I, now, that I did not know, so you can reserve a shower time, and you have a federal judge who is a volunteer who's scrubbing right. the floors right. for the showers. Right. This is what wow. the beauty of Catholic Charities. I'm so inspired. For more information about how you can help support the great ministries of Catholic Charities, go to catholiccharities.net. That's catholiccharities.net. Our Year in Review program also featured Catholic School Superintendent Dr. Jim Rigg. Let's take a listen. I know you got a, a couple of days off 
you know, but I know it's never it's, it's never downtime for you. So looking into 2020, what's on the horizon, Jim, for Catholic schools in the archdiocese? Well, uh, we hit the ground running in the new year every year. There's a lot that goes on uh, in the month of January, particularly um, the Catholic Schools Week, which is the mm-hmm. national celebration of Catholic education. So it starts the last Sunday in January, mm-hmm. and throughout the 205 Catholic schools of the Archdiocese, there will be celebrations of the traditions and uh, excellence of Catholic education. So ranging from uh, special masses and prayer services, service projects, uh, even some fun things uh, like uh, assemblies and crazy sock days and those sorts of things. Uh, of course, Catholic Schools Week is also the launch of the uh, registration season for our Catholic elementary schools. Uh, the Catholic high school started registration before mm-hmm. Christmas. Late January starts registration for our Catholic grade schools. So it's a very busy season in terms of uh, principals and teachers and marketing directors uh, reaching out to families and uh, encouraging them to consider a Catholic education. Now, Jim, will you be involved again Monday through Friday in a different grammar school or high school during Catholic Schools Week? I know you were last year. Absolutely. So I put myself uh, physically in many of our Catholic schools. I like to uh, experience firsthand the joy of Catholic Schools Week. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't yet have my schedule set. I know I have a, a blue ribbon celebration for example, that I'll participate in out at St. Cyril and Methodius in Lamont. Uh, in Lamont. Uh, they, they were one of the seven schools to receive the Blue Ribbon this year, and so they're having their celebration during Catholic Schools Week. Uh, but aside from that, I don't really have any firm commitments yet. Uh, I know that you've always told me that you love being part of Catholic Schools Week because you love being part of the children, the smiles, the laughter, you're part of the assemblies, uh, the mass celebrations, and uh, I know that for you, with folks may folks will remember is you might be the superintendent of Catholic schools, but you started years ago as a teacher. You still miss teaching to this day. I do. I I love the classroom. Uh, I thought from a very young age I was going to spend my career as a Catholic school teacher and did teach for a while before um, I became an administrator, uh, ultimately becoming a principal and then a superintendent, but uh, very much loved the classroom and loved the opportunities I have to uh, interact with young people when I go out and visit school. And I have to admit that when you and I are doing the program, the second um, Monday of the month called Catholic Schools Today, which I love working with you, and when we start talking about the classroom and teaching, I have to say, Jim, you light up. You really, <laughs> you light up. You know, it, I can say that to you right now, right on the air, is when we start talking about your teaching days, the classroom, you're talking to teachers, we get the teachers uh, in the, on the program, you, honest to God, you light up. And, Are uh, you uh, trying to convince me to quit my job and become a teacher again? <laughs> There's some uh, dubious agenda here, Father Greg. I thought I would break the news to you on, on the program today of, uh, of, of, of Catholic Chicago. No, no, you do a tremendous job as superintendent. hope you're here for many years to come. But, uh, but I think you even once said to me that any principal that you've run into, the best principals are the ones who also miss being in the classroom. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think um, not every great teacher makes a great principal, mm-hmm. but great principals, um, the ones that I know were good teachers, and yeah. they look back fondly on their time as a classroom. I mean, ultimately, you want people in Catholic education who who love children and yeah. want them to grow and encourage their uh, both faith development 
in their growth in academic skills and knowledge. And uh, we're so blessed in the Archdiocese to have such wonderful principals who do truly care about this wonderful ministry of Catholic education. Yeah. And I'll tell you something, it's really a tough ministry. We live in a day and an age in which, uh, I'll tell you something, I don't think I, I, wouldn't, I would not want to be uh, uh, back in grammar school or high school. I think the world we live in today, I'm, I'm very delighted where I'm at today in my life at 66, but uh, we live in very tough times, and uh, the challenges for young people today that, that embarks upon them, it, it's a tough world and smart to, to bring the message of Christ, the message of hope, of eternal life, resurrection, people, to be connected to a community. Um, and, I, and I've said to you many times on the air, I look back upon my days at Mary State of Wisdom, Grammar School in Park Ridge, Notre Dame College Prep in um, Niles High School, which then launched me for the seminary. Those were great formative years. I think you've said the same thing to me about your life. Absolutely. And while there are certainly profound challenges uh, in Catholic education, you know, we're up against a lot of um, pretty intense, you know, societal uh, forces, Mm -hmm. um, I also think there's such great opportunity. I mean, as we look to renew our local church and our universal church, Catholic schools can and should be uh, in the forefront of that renewal. Uh, I I don't think any other ministry of our church impacts so many children at such an intense level. I mean, we're talking about having these children in our school buildings seven hours or more a day, five days or more a week, nine months or more a year. What an opportunity to shape these children, again, not just in, in knowledge, but in the faith, but in the to faith. turn these, these children into true uh, disciples, followers of Jesus. In fact, I look back at my own life, I would say between my parents, especially my mother, and my Catholic grammar school, high school education, that really helped shape who I am today. And it, uh, so I think I'm, I'm always supporting Catholic schools, grammar school, high school level, because I think they do make a profound difference. And that... Um, and we've talked about that so many times on the air. Now, just in the last half a minute, beside Catholic Schools Week coming up in January, what else is on the horizon this spring? Well, we have a wonderful celebration on January the 21st, the Celebrating Catholic Education Breakfast. Uh, it's an annual fundraiser and fundraiser for Catholic education, and I, I encourage listeners to check it out on our website, uh, artchicago.org, as well as, if I could just put in a brief plug here, for our tax credit scholarship program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a state program to help support needs-based scholarships uh, for children in private schools, including Catholic schools. Uh, people can dedicate uh, 75 cents on the dollar of their tax liability at the state level to these scholarships. And right now we have a two-for-one matching program for tax credit scholarships. So doesn't matter how much money you make every year, uh, whether you make a lot of money or a modest amount, everybody owes money to Springfield. And uh, if you go onto our website again, artchicago.org, you can find out more information about tax credit scholarships as well as the Celebrating Catholic Education Breakfast. Dr. Jim Rigg joins Father Greg every second Monday of the month from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. Wrapping up our Year in Review program, Father Greg visited with Father Jason Malavi, the Cardinal's delegate for Renew My Church. So much is happening with Renew My Church, and for what is, I know what has happened in 19, what's on the horizon for 2020? Good, just to remind our listeners about uh, Cardinal Subic calling us to a time of renewal when he arrived here in Chicago. 
It was really back in September of 2015. So we, has it we, been uh, that long? Uh, wow. It has been. It has been. Yeah, it was completed four years. The first couple of years, really just investigating what might be possible uh, for renewal in the archdiocese, and then really beginning it, uh, beginning the renewal process a few years ago. And just to remind our listeners, there's two very specific moments of the renewal. One is regarding, you know, our structures, how many parishes we have, and are we able to sustain those parish, the number of parishes that we have. And across the board, we know that we cannot sustain the number of parishes, neither with the number of people at Mass on Sunday, nor with our uh, resources in terms of financial, or even our, our priest resources or lay leader You know, Jason, if you just stop there for a moment, that. I tell people, because you and I are priests there at your diocese, and that is, when my class was ordained in 1979, we were the last large class. We ordained 31 men for Chicago. I think there were 27 of us who were 26 years old, and then 27, 30, 29, but 31 men. The class of 1980 was 20 ordained for Chicago. The largest class since then has been 16. And so the numbers have gone down. Now, your class was what, 19? Are you 97? That's right. That's right. And ordained how many for Chicago? We were, we were seven. We're now six. And I think the number of priests is one of the factors. We also have to remember that we also are really struggling to find quality, dedicated lay ministers sometimes yeah. to yes. fill some of the resources, as well as just the number of parishioners. Uh, that are currently regularly attending Mass, as well as the amount of money it takes to upkeep all of our infrastructure that we have around the Archdiocese. Oh, yeah. So clearly, one of the factors of the renewal, the big half of the factor of renewal, will be our structures and how many parishes we have. The second piece, uh, which I think we've really embarked upon a much clearer definition of how we invite people to grow spiritually, grow in their relationship with Christ. Because the Cardinal was very clear that part of the renewal his first mandate was that we are called to not only be disciples of Jesus, but also make disciples of others mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's become much clearer in the last year and a half or so about how we're called to, in parishes, uh, reanimate our own discipleship as well as reach out and make other disciples so I think, Jason, well. something, something very important you've said, renew my church goes way beyond bricks and mortar. It's part of the renewal, but mm-hmm. only half. It's half exactly right. But see, a lot of people only are focusing half. on bricks and mortars and forgetting about the other half, which is making disciples and being disciples. There's two the halves to this. Renewal. The exactly. There's a whole That's spiritual right. component yeah. beyond, yeah. way beyond bricks and mortars, which is part of it. And but again, we both have talked before. You, basically, people don't like change. We are creatures of habit. Leave it alone. It's fine. But, but when you think about it, the greatest constant in life is change. Things are changing that, every day. And I think parishioners, we hear that when we go and visit parishes, they, they, share, they share some disappointments. They share one, you know, Father, they say that the pews aren't as full as they used to be. Yeah. And they say, number two, my kids who all went to Catholic grammar school and Catholic high school, they're not participating or practicing their faith. Those are the two disappointments we hear over and over and over again. And so this comprehensive uh, two-part renewal process, both of our our, uh, structure, but also of our spiritual renewal as disciples, really is is an attempt to get at both of those reflections that we hear over and over again about the pews being empty and, and, and kids not in Mass, their children and their grandchildren not being in Mass. And I think that we've seen early signs 
early signs of some great growth. So there's one particular parish up on the North Shore, and they've just been doing a great job. They, it, it's two parishes that came together as mm-hmm. one in, in, in two different worship sites, and we're starting to see now that they've got their structural structure set, we're starting to see some really beautiful evangelization happening. So people in the, in the pews kind of being reanimated in their faith and, and realizing, oh my goodness, you're right, if, if we don't if we don't take seriously our faith or, 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 or invite others to participate in our faith, we're going to lose it, and yeah. we're going to have another generation that's not participating. And so they've actively seeked to reanimate their own faith and have begun the process of inviting others as well. Now, Jason, I was born and raised here in Chicago. I was actually born by Milwaukee Division, a Holy Trinity, but at the age of three, moved out to Park Ridge, so I don't remember the old Polish neighborhood. Now, you're Chicago born and raised, aren't you? Marquette Park. Yeah, Marquette. So here's the, here's the thing. This is the only place I know in the Archdiocese when I was younger and even now, when you ask someone where you're from, they don't give a neighborhood, they give a parish. So you ask where you're from, oh, I'm from Christ the King, I'm from Barnabas, I'm from Queen of All Saints. It's just thinking in Chicago being Catholic, when you say where you're from, you give a parish, so we are so connected to our parish, so when you have this consolidation uh, and this renewal, I can see where it's hard because the Archdiocese of Chicago has been so rooted in parishes uh, that change is difficult, but I always tell people the Spirit is in charge. The Spirit of God That's is in charge, and great things can happen if we are willing to let go of our fears and to trust God. And you know, you know what, Father Greg, the, the parishes will always be the location mm-hmm. of where people grow in their in their faithfulness mm-hmm. as they grow closer to Jesus. The parishes will always be there, but the renewal uh, begun four years ago is a reminder that if we keep going the same way we've been going and, and don't work on our spiritual renewal, then we're just going to have a whole slate of closings over the next 20 years. Yeah. And, 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 and the renewal is an opportunity for us to do it a little bit more intentionally and, and, and begin the renewal a little bit more keeping grounded in, okay, let's figure out the structure, let's get that right, and, and then really embark upon that spiritual renewal, reclaiming our own discipleship in Jesus. Now, we are Chicagoans, we call ourselves by our parish, we don't often call ourselves disciples. Uh-huh. We just don't. Yeah. We don't remember that we are under the tutelage of Jesus every day, and every decision we make and how we journey in our life together means connecting ourselves to Jesus, our Savior. Uh, that's just not one of the And now what you're saying, are. Jason, is so important. Let me ask you a personal question. How has Renew My Church, in the role you're doing, touched your life? You know, I, I share the, the how we call ourselves. I share that uh, reminder because my, my, I myself have gone through that kind of renewal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went out to the Archdiocese of Boston, and of all the places in the arts in, in the country that may not be doing well, you'd think that Boston wouldn't be doing well. The epicenter of the sexual abuse crisis right. and some horrible closings back about ten years ago, but they have rededicated themselves across the diocese in a singular fashion to renewing their discipleship, and it's working. That's interesting. People are refinding their foundation in Jesus, and it's, it's animating them. It's, it's really animating them to uh, grow in their discipleship. And other people are seeing it, and they're being inspired uh, to want to grow in their discipleship as well. So I don't want to oversimplify it, but there's no. something very powerful about remembering our connection to Jesus, whose birth we just celebrated, who transformed the world yeah. when God sent him into the world through, through the Virgin Mary. On that note, so there's something very powerful there. Thanks to Father Jason for that Renew My Church update. 
You can listen to that entire radio program and all our local Catholic radio programs live or at your convenience by going to radiotv.archchicago.org. That's radiotv.archchicago.org. Stick with us. After a break, we'll hear from our religious sisters and our local deacons as we continue Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Back after a short break. In 2019, Illinois became the abortion capital of the Midwest. What are we going to do about it? Join thousands Saturday, January 11th at the March for Life Chicago. This event is exploding with activities, including a convention at the Congress Hotel, Youth Rally for Life, the Archdiocesan Mass for Life, Banquet, even Swing Dancing. Find out more at marchforlifechicago.org. Marchforlifechicago.org. The voiceless need a voice. March for babies. March for women. March for life. For more than 100 years, Catholic Charities has served the poor, establishing programs and services that help our clients find a better path for the future. We have the know-how and resources to make a difference in the lives of our clients and in the greater society at large. 92 cents of every dollar that you contribute to our end-of-year appeal goes directly to helping people in need. You can trust Catholic Charities to put your donation to work, so people get immediate assistance and the guidance they need to start anew. Please include Catholic Charities in your end-of-year donations. Be a good Samaritan and go online today to catholiccharities.net. Thank you for your generosity as we work toward a better future for us all. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio, 950 a.m. and 930 a.m. Every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio, 950 and 930 a.m. I'm Jim Dish of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office. This month on Dare to Love, Sister Lavina Pamet had the pleasure of visiting with Sister Connie Bach. Here's a highlight. Sister Connie is on the phone with us uh, from South Bend, Indiana. Although, um, deceptively enough, uh, she is, I'm calling her the new globetrotter. Because Sister Connie has been uh, around um uh, around and about and traveling, and uh, most recently in Ma- uh, Texas and Matamoros. But before that, you went to Kenya, right, Sister Connie? That's correct, yes. So tell me about your trip. What was that all about? So I, besides uh, being the vocation director for our community, I also direct our short- and long-term volunteer program. And um, I went to Kenya. We have sisters there along uh, we are we're in nine countries, and um, so I wanted to go to Kenya to check out the opportunities for women to volunteer with our sisters. And so I spent uh, two weeks there with our sisters, getting to know the culture and opportunities for volunteering. Was that your first time there? 
it was my first time, and it was quite an experience, very educational. So how was the, the weather? Is it, which part of the country um, and kind of um, the climate uh, would that be in Africa? So we were in the east part of Africa, um, and it was the rainy season. It still is the rainy season there. So it rained quite a bit. Fortunately, I took my rubber shoes and my very heavy camping poncho. Uh, it came in very handy. <laughs> okay. So if uh, so, it's humid because I would I would imagine it would be more arid. But if it's a rainy season, then um, it would be more like um, uh, jungle type um, uh, atmosphere, right? Yes. And so I slept with a mosquito netting, of course. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, and took my medicine for malaria and typhoid and all those good things. So I came back very healthy, thank goodness. Good, yes. We want you healthy. Now, um, I would also like to indicate that um, Sister Connie is a musician. And in fact, um, uh, I I don't want to put you on the spot right now, but um, if you can kind of remember, because I know you can sing spontaneously, maybe at some point after a couple of breaks, maybe... um, I don't know if, if you had something that you you wrote um, that you can just hum a note or something at some point. So Oh, I could do that right now. <laughs> that would be great because I know for your community. Uh, and was that only last year or two years ago that you had you celebrated your anniversary as well, right? So Two years ago, I celebrated my 25th Silver Jubilee, yes. Oh, and that too, yes. Um, so, oh no, actually, um, what you were celebrating was the 150th and then the canonization of your foundress. This is correct. Yes. Last October. Right. So, okay. So can you think of something that kind of represents that for you and something that in your heart that you wrote out of that inspiration? Can you think of something that you can sing for us real quickly? Well, uh, I wrote a song called Behold Your Servant back in 1990 when I was a novice that is used, um, for many celebrations in our community, and it, uh, Behold Your Servant speaks to our title, Poor Handmaids of Jesus Christ. Perfect. And, um, uh, you know, Mary, uh, our Blessed Virgin uh, Mother, was the first handmaid of the Lord, and our foundress, Saint now, Saint Katharina Casper, uh, considered herself a handmaid of the Lord, and so our title is Poor Handmaids of the Lord. And so from that, I wrote the song, Behold Your Servant, and it goes like this. Behold your servant, the handmaid of the Lord. Lead me now unto the path you choose for me. I will go among your people, Lord, to serve. I am your handmaid. Wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. And um, again, not not to put you on the spot or anything, because I know when I when you gave me that city CD, I started listening to it. I just love the the different songs. Um, we have maybe about a minute and a half uh, left before our, our first break, but um, for our second session, we're going to be talking about your uh, volunteer trip to Texas and Matamoros in Mexico. 
uh, in McAllen, Texas, correct? And then also um, about not just the the volunteer experience and your program as uh, the Poor Handmaids, but also about the people, the situations, and how people can help. That would be great. Uh, One thing, though, is... Um, if people are interested in, in getting a uh, with superb quality, because I really love even the packaging of your CD, um, is is that still in print? Is that something that they can order from you? Yes, they can. They're, they're only $5. It's a 54-page uh, book, small book, that has all the um, artwork of our sisters, whether it's pottery or photography or prayers or um, reflections and poems, all, all sorts of creativity. And in the back is a CD with uh, 15 songs. It's only $5. They can order that through me at um, C-O-N-N-I-E dot S-S at A-T-T dot net. They can shoot me an email and uh, uh, I'll get in touch with them and let them know where to send a check, and I will get their address and send it to them. Okay. Can they call you as well on your phone? They can, 574-340-6409, and it is called No Gift Too Small. Thanks to Sisters Lavina and Connie. Next up, we heard from Deacons Richard Hudzik and Dave Brensick. They talked with Deacon Don Myers about foster care for children. Don is here to talk today about foster care for children and how we might help in that endeavor. And in particular, uh, what is on Don's heart is uh, an endeavor called Chicago Angels, and he's going to talk to us about that. So, Don, welcome to the show, and I'm happy you made the the journey down to uh, the bowels of uh, Quigley Center, where we're uh, recording this, where we're broadcasting from. So, Donald, uh, you are a deacon, and tell us something about yourself, when, where, why, how, and all that, that you're, you're a deacon. Well, first off, good morning, and uh, I was ordained a deacon in May to, of 2009, and I currently serve and have been serving um, at St. Marceline in Schaumburg. Okay, and uh, your family status, are you prepared to speak about that? I am. <laughs> um, I'm happily married to my wife, uh, Roxanne, and we will be celebrating our 30th uh, wedding anniversary in August. Um, we have two daughters, uh, Savannah and Shannon, and they are in their mid-20s. Savannah lives in Sandstone, Minnesota, Minnesota, and Shannon lives in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So if your kids are in their mid-20s, that means you're, you're an, old, an old guy. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, not that old. Well, okay. All right. uh, Chicago Angels, I made reference to that before. What, what is Chicago Angels? What are we talking about today? Chicago Angels is a foster care uh, support organization. Uh, We look to support uh, children in foster care and the families that that bring them in to give them a little uh, help and support from the community, not just uh, from the family. All right. So are you helping the kids, the foster parents? What's your your line of attack? Well, we're— Focusing on the whole family, um, um, but really uh, our focus is on the child itself. Um, but we look to support the whole family by giving them some support that maybe the state isn't able to give uh, to make sure that the children in, those, in the care knows that someone from the community actually cares for them and is there for them, 
no matter if they stay in this family or if they are moved to another family. Right. Now, as we, as we go along in the, in the few minutes that we have allotted to us this uh, half-hour show, uh, we're going to tease out more of the details, but we've got to begin somewhere. And, and let, me, let me ask this question. How, how did you get yourself involved in Chicago Angels? Is this something that's been on your heart for a while, or is this a brand-new, newish endeavor for you? It's a pretty newish endeavor for me. Um, a good friend from work, uh, Melissa Lindsley, uh, approached me one day, and um, she knew that I was a deacon, and she had heard about the this Austin Angels um, that was a foster care support group, and the more she heard about it, the more excited that she got. It. And she decided, you know, let's start a Chicago Angels uh, modeled after Austin Angels. And uh, she knew that I was a deacon and asked me to uh, help her out um, by being a church director um, in the organization. What's that mean, church director? So I look to build relationships with uh, churches um, or religious-affiliated organizations to help get us volunteers. Uh, That is probably the main goal of of church relations, uh, to be the people that are going out to these foster families uh, to offer this support. So this is an ecumenical group? Yes. It, I would say it's Christian-based, but really we look to serve, you know, we don't ask what religion the foster family is or anything like that. And we're looking really support from not just Catholic but other Christian religions uh, or uh, traditions um, and also from, you know, Jewish or, or Muslim uh, faith communities. Right now, just to uh, continue to, to go into this, I don't mean to be crass, but why do we care? Why is there an effort to uh, deliver some kind of support for foster care kids? What's, what's the problem there that you're addressing? Well, the stats around those that have been raised in foster care, now these stats aren't for everyone, but the stats are pretty appalling. Um, You know, nationally, 50% of the homeless spent time in foster care. Only about 50% of those in care will obtain a high school diploma. 97% of children in foster care will not graduate college, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that most states offer them full rides. The U.S. is sending more children in foster care, or that grew up in foster care, to prison than to college. You know, I can go on and on, but the time spent, uh, but you know, but the biggest stat is that within two years, on average, a child in foster care will move seven times. Can you imagine moving seven times in two years? And they're not just moving homes, they're moving families. And that's just a stat that I think is just very appalling. Who, 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 are, these, who are these kids? Why are they in the foster care system? You know, the, they're primarily um, innocent children of God that live or have grown up in, in homes that, you know, in some cases, drug-addicted parents, gang parents, um, or other unfortunate uh, circumstances to the parents that all of a sudden the children are, are forced into foster care. And there isn't any other support, like a grandparent? Or can a grandparent be a foster parent? 
a grandparent can be a foster parent, but in a lot of cases that isn't um, always possible. It's not an option. Yeah. Right. You know, I think the, the state and the, the governments are, are looking that that is, that is the first option is to, to, to go to a grandparent and not an uncle. Uh, but in a lot of cases, that's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Or if the fa- I suppose to uh, to speculate if the family is uh, not from this area, if if uh, mom or dad or whatever parent is no longer acting as parent for a variety of circumstances, is a thousand miles from where they grew up, there is no f- family here. Although the, the the child is here, and so what do you do with this child if if mom is hauled off for whatever reason and no longer able to serve as as parent? So. I, I may, maybe it's a sign of the times of uh, you know, the dislocation of the people who have you know, <clears throat> gone from their roots um, and there is no support network for them. I, yeah, okay. I think that's a good point. Now, you mentioned the government. Um, let me just ask the question. Why, why isn't the, the, the payment the government makes to the foster parents, why isn't that sufficient for, for whatever needs that the kids have? Well, going back to that stat, you know, that a child will move seven times in two years. You know, the government places a child into a home, and a lot of times those homes aren't successful. Um, You know, I think if it was, like you mentioned, a grandparent or an aunt or uncle, you know, those I think are more successful. But if they're not going into a family, a lot of times that family uh, isn't given the proper uh, support, and they're not— sure what they're getting into. That might be thrust into a a situation that it's hard for that family to really um, make it a success. Don, you were making reference, and Dave, you were beginning to ask about this, is that the kids, for a variety of reasons, are bouncing from, are being moved from household to household in all of the disruption that's, I mean, I don't like moving, and I'm, I'm an adult, and I have all sorts of coping skills, but you know, if I'm a, a 10-year-old kid who's been taken from my home, maybe some kind of tragedy or trauma or some kind of crime involving my parents, and I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm on my own, um, and I'm placed into a foster home, I'm going to speculate that um, I don't come without some, some impediments of my own. Uh, you know, we use the phrase baggage, and I, that, that sounds pejorative, but I, and I don't want to put it on the kids, but um, it's it ain't easy being a foster kid. I I, I suspect. Yeah, I think uh, one of the stats I didn't get to was um, in an article that I read that children in foster care are diagnosed with PTSD at a higher rate than the uh, Iraq War veterans, and so they are coming with with you know lack of love. Um, and so a child, they need that love in order to grow up into a, a normally functioning uh, adult. And to me, that's one of the things that we're looking to give them, um, to give them someone from the community who really cares for them and that is willing to walk with them. Check out that entire program by going to radiotv.archchicago.org. That's where you can hear all our local Catholic radio programs live or at your convenience, radiotv.archchicago.org. Thanks for listening to us every Saturday morning here on Relevant Radio, 9.50 and 9.30 a.m. I'm Jim Dish for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Have a great week, everyone.
Join us every Saturday morning for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.